Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. create you to be a spectator. The message is entitled Fulfilling Your God-Giving Destiny. I think some even long-term Christians need to hear this um, because, again, we can just easily miss, miss the simplicity of what God is trying to say to us. So let me just go through this message, and I'll help you with a little bit of theology, but with some practicality, some just common sense uh, because as Luke said, it's your decision. You've got, you've got brawn, you've got smarts, you've got some you know, ingenuity, you've got gifts, you've got talents, and, and, and you can really make a go of life, amen? You can really make a go of life. With the help of God, you can really make a go of life because he empowers you and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could even ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. You're not called to be a spectator. He planned for you to run the race. It's a typical phrase in the Bible, run the race. You're here to run the race. You're not just to dwell carelessly, uh, just just to occupy space, but you're here to run a race with everything God's given to you You're called to run that race, follow his course of his destiny to a life of significance and fulfillment. Who wants fulfillment in life? He may not know, you may not know what your calling is, but God has planned your destiny. Now, that is a huge wake-up call. God has planned your destiny, and he will help you, in fact, find it. I believe this month, God is desperately, powerfully, wonderfully helping you find your destiny. Now, Cam, Harvey, talked about the principle of sowing and reaping, but there is the principle of vision. Helen Keller was asked, she was blind, she ended up being an entrepreneurial businesswoman, invented Braille, awesome lady of God. She had, you know, challenges in her life, literally blind, but they asked her, what could be worse than being blind? She said, being able to see but not have vision. Being able to see but not have vision. Seeing is common. Anyone can see. But vision, that's another thing. Seeing the preferred future of your life and others and this church. I pray that you would see this year the preferred future of your life because God has got you on this plan, step by step, bettering your life. Glory to glory. So let me... Get into that. Personal development, so important. When we apply God's principles of vision and destiny, like a roadmap for finding, say finding, following, say following, and finishing, say finishing, your course, you'll discover your identity, calling, and begin to live out your best life. Of course, When you get this stuff on the inside of you, it deepens your faith and you've got endurance to go all the way and finish the race. I love this scripture, Hosea 
6, uh, chapter 6, verse 2, and I believe this is what's happening in our day also. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us. Does anyone feel like they're getting revived in this church? I was speaking to a couple of the guys who've just joined our church only six weeks, and they said, I do not believe what God has been doing for me. Some of the guys that, I'm just pointing to people who know them, and they said, Phil, Pastor Phil, I cannot believe the overhaul and the vision I've been given through this great church. And, and that's what it is. You, you come to church not to do religious exercises, but to have your eyes opened to see the preferred future of our city, our coast, your life, people's lives, your family, your marriage, your finances. It's all about vision and seeing what God has on the horizon. Did I say that after two days he will revive us? On the third day, he will restore us, and I believe God's restoring people in this church, that we may live in his presence. We need to, in fact, discover our destiny. And when we mention that word destiny, it's a little bit mystical, we think, but it's not. God gives you destiny. And, and of course, committed followers of Christ, of God, should be interested in their destiny. Destiny, I, I, I just grabbed this from an author, and he says this, PowerPoint, yeah, a course or path in life that includes both the God-given destination you are seeking and life's end and your own faith-filled journey toward the destination. The Bible teaches about destiny. God's got a plan, a wonderful life for you. It's all in there. But, but, say but, you have a responsibility to lay hold of the destiny. Now, in the 70s, I had no, not one fraction of an iota in me, almost, to follow God's destiny for my life. I was enjoying the 70s, thank you very much. The older crew are laughing, the others are second guessing, but there was lots of dancing in the 70s. There was lots of great music. Sorry, guys, we had the best music. All right, we had the best music. There was lots of thrills and spills and awesome stuff to do in the 70s. I was having a gay old time. Not that sort of gay either. It was a, a, real, a real gay time. It was... But I didn't understand that there was a scripture, Proverbs 16, 9 says, in their hearts, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So here's me in my heart. I'm trying to set my course but the Lord establishes our steps. Our part is to discover our destiny. I'm loving hearing young people not having to live through the 70s, not living through this um, experimental stage of life and find the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the ages, to live their best life. My life is not the preferred option. This is what I love, seeing young people raised up in the church with vision and believing for great stuff for God, even people to be blessed, and it's awesome. There's goals he wants you to establish, to accomplish. You can do it day by day, taking positive, God-pleasing steps. Achieving your destiny is a process. I thought it was like a soccer game a soccer game, like say you're in the fullbacks and your job is just to protect and defend and maybe push the ball up. 
but as a kid, you don't really understand the full, full deal of the game. You know, when you start playing soccer about six or seven years of age, like I did. But eventually, I took more responsibility for the overall destiny, not just my little destiny, just protect the ball, protect the ball. Yeah, I'm a champion. No, I started to realize, oh, you're a soccer guy. I started to realize, man, those goals that are get going in, the roar of the, the crowd, the roar of the fans, man, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of the ultimate, the ultimate vision of scoring goals for my soccer team. Yes, I want to defend. Yes, I want to attack. Yes, I want to push the ball up, but I want to score goals too. And that's a little bit like getting vision for after you've saved and realized it's just more than me and myself and I. It's about God and his church. It's about God and other people. It's about this community. It's about beyond me. It's about the plight of the third world. It's about starving poor people. It's about the whole world, in fact. Who can give you such vision? God gives you vision. It gives you clarity. So as I was growing up through the soccer years, I was getting razor-sharp vision. I was working out where the holes were and pushing the balls up through the holes. I was seeing where the ball was coming at me and able to defend. So in a sense, my, my vision became razor-sharp. I, I was able to understand the overall game plan on the field at that particular stage. And I loved it when goals were scored. Amen? Is that like you? Are you in this church and just going, this is my seat. Man, I'm rocking in this seat. Woo! Yeah. Woo! I'm a born again. Woo! Yeah. But no, it's more than your seat. It's, it's, it's the seat beside you, in front of you. It, it, it's the people that are visiting today. It's God who's, who's trying to do his darnness to impress upon people his great love. It's God trying to show his hospitality. Are you good at hospitality? Are you, God, are you good at, at laying hands on the sick? Are you good at sharing and testifying and running a connect group? That's what this is all about tonight. Amen? Give it up for the Lord right there if you can. So if you feel inclined tonight, players de develop a sense of vision for the field ahead. I love that. So vision is PowerPoint. Vision is, I know this is another statement I've never quoted before, but I like it. The ability to anticipate, imagine, or foresee experiences and developments that move you along destiny's vision. So I talked about that razor-sharp vision, being able to walk out your destiny. Um, you, you, you soon learn to develop and discriminate between things you want to achieve and things that you should avoid. And, and it's like step by step, you can this traveling by this destiny course, you realize what to avoid and what you need to achieve in life. As you do, it can be said that you are fulfilling your destiny. You are making the trip, you're doing the journey, you're on the road. It's an amazing thing. At the end of it, you're hoping to hear something like Matt 25, Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, your steps have been more or less ordered by the Lord. You've followed what God has said to you. You're a winner. You've done what God has spoken to you about. You feel completely satisfied at the end of the day. In one sense, it's so true that we're all called to destiny to live a holy life. Without being holy, you can't enter into the kingdom of God. Collectively, we're all called 
to be more like God. Amen? More like Jesus. More like Jesus. Um, but there's the personal vision of you that you need to understand while you're on earth and you're pursuing life and the practicality of, it, of this is that you've got to live a real life. You've got jobs to do. You've got careers to engage in, training, uh, uni, uh, however you're personally developing yourself. But at the same time, all that God can use for the greater vision of his church. Amen? It is your God-given course of life with all its challenges and accomplishments and hopes and dreams. And in that, in that crucible of doing what God's called you to do, you find your destiny. But can I tell you this? Some do not find their destiny, even long-term Christians. And that is so sad, so sad. You're on a journey, you're gonna end up somewhere, amen? It's a destiny, you've got a destiny, I've got a destiny, there's a destination, you will arrive somewhere. It's a foregone conclusion. Where you'll end up, that's between you and God. Destiny means for me, your best life. But, say but again. I don't know why they get so many laughs. Through lack of knowledge, compromise, bad choices, laziness, or selfishness, we can die not having achieved our God-given destiny, not having achieved our God-given destiny, not having realized our potential usefulness and holiness. Before the foundation of the world, you were on God's mind. Before you were... Even on your mother's mind, you are in God's mind. He knew your name. This is theology now. How tall you would be, your shoe size. He knew your wife or knew your husband even. And the Bible says he chose you. According to the good counsel of his will, he established a destiny plan for your life. How good is God, amen? How good is God? The thing you've got to do is discover it. You've got to discover it. You don't have to make it happen. You just have to let it happen. Um, you, you don't have to make it happen. You just have to discover it. So, Ephesians 2.10, amplified version. In fact, it's like this prearranged path that God's got for you. God, before he sent the world spinning, he knew you. He knew you before you were put in your mother's womb. He knew how you were wired, what, what giftedness, what talent you had. He knew what, even what sort of decisions you would tend to make. And he says, out of that, I've got this destiny for him. I've got this purpose for him. Who's interested in that sort of stuff? Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. See, God's working on us. His own master work, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used. For God works, for God works, ready to be used, for God works, which God, good works, which God prepared for us, say us, do this, us, beforehand, beforehand, before the world was sent spinning, taking paths which he set, 
so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. I love that scripture, don't you? Here's another version of it. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined us, planned beforehand for us, taking parts which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, that we should walk in those paths, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. You know, the Bible says our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Your destiny was set before the creation of the world. I love that. Therefore, Therefore, you can get up in the morning knowing that the you know, smile of heaven is on you. Uh, that's got to be good. There's confidence, there's boldness, there's joy in knowing God's planned your life and knowing that he has a destiny for you. Unfortunately, some people think they're bumping along in life and they're relegated to thinking bad about themselves because they think they're an accident of evolution that... God doesn't know you, God doesn't care. You just gotta make the most of it, so be it. But can I tell you this? There is divine destiny for each of your lives. When you understand that God has destiny for you, you feel like a child of God. You have that confidence that you are who God says you are. And I love this, think of this. Whatever happens in the economy, God has a plan for your life. Whatever happens in the government, God has a plan for your life. Whatever happens in the natural realm, God saw it and he knew it and planned a great life for you. That's what gets you out of, the, out of bed in the morning. That's what puts pep in your step. That's what Luke Boyd was on this morning. He was, I don't know if he had a coffee, he didn't say he did, but he said he had a, a, a fruit that had too much sugar in it. And he was highly motivated in his preaching this morning. But he was, he was talking about something that was dear to his heart, and that's, that's vision. That's vision. And I love this fact that when you look at the Apostle Paul, he was beaten, left for dead outside the town of Lystra, but Paul stood up and said, I'm not finished yet. He kept preaching the word. Later, the devil got him and shipwrecked him, but Paul grabbed a piece of wood, floated to the shore. Paul stood up and said, but I'm not finished yet. When the Philippians threw him into that jail, the jail cell doors were shattered open. He walked out and he said, but I'm not finished yet. So they beat him with rods until he was near death and he stood and he was healed. And then he said again, I'm not finished yet. He actually said he was finished after he got his work done, after he planted so many churches, he downloaded from heaven so much of the Bible that he said, my job is finished. I am ready to meet with the Lord. Who wants to be like that? You can be like that. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as Paul, but you can say, I was faithful to what you God called me to. I was faithful to that church. I was faithful to that connect group. I was faithful to do, to serve in the worship team, to do hospitality. I was faithful to help clean, to maintenance, whatever it might be. I was, I was faithful to give my $28 to vision builders. I was faithful to help Nairobi C3. All those things amount up to step by step honoring the God destiny in your life. Amen? Yeah. 
God, I heard that. When they talked about Nairobi, I just got it. That's, yep, well done and good faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful church. This is the stuff that rocks your world. Wouldn't you like such knowledge? You can. You can have a sense of destiny and purpose in life that will make every day a joy to live, as it was for Paul. Peace can come on you, and you can reach the end with a sense of knowing that you've finished the race. How to discover your destiny? How do I know God's will for my life? Question mark. How do I know my gifts and calling? Question mark. How can I find a career that will satisfy my desires? So many people unhappy with their life, their jobs maybe, but can I tell you this? God has a plan. The bottom line is God has a destiny that he planned for you and you alone, a wonderful God-glorifying, fulfilling life of joy. And let me tell you this, when you understand God's purposes for your life, you will enter into the most magnificent life of knowing God is blowing in your sails. He's for you. He's with you. Ephesians 1.4 says, talking about, okay, so the theology is God is not set in time. God is not set in time. He knows he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He knows the beginning from the end. Amen. He saw you coming. He saw you coming to this earth. He saw you born. He knows your shoe size. He knows you. He knows every hair on Dave Hall's head. He knows your propensities. He knows your ambitions. He knows your desires. And in that, in that crucible of life, he's going to give you destiny. He's going to give you a path of life. Hopefully, it will be a God-honoring life where everything that you do and everything that you try in being obedience to God will be, brought to, will be brought to obedience in Christ, your destiny in God, your destiny, your vision. That's why God is trying to open your eyes. Father God, I pray the scales fall off people's eyes, that they would know the God vision for their life, the God destiny for their life. The scales, because the world can blind us and dumb us down. So much endless, mindless TV and lost in the cyberspace of Facebook. And, and now we're just, a, we're just, a, just a, like ether, we're just like a vapor, just... There's no substance in us. We're not going anywhere. We're not thinking out our life. We're not setting goals. We're not got traction in our life. We're not bettering our life. We're not, we're not got this, pro, this propulsion of, uh, not a great word, motivation and divine encouragement to go for the prize that's set before you, for that which Christ claimed Doug's life. He is going to, for that very reason and that destiny that he has for Doug, Doug's gonna go as, as hard as he can to do his best to honor that, that calling on his life. Yeah. Well, what calling? The calling of salvation. God, you saved me for a reason. If you're saved, guess what? It's not just to get you to heaven. God's not going, thank goodness I got him to heaven. Oh, well, he can just do what he wants now. Go, 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 get out of here. I've got too much to worry about. I've got, I got Iraq and Iran. I've got bombs going off. I've got, just, just go, look, there's plenty of fun things to do on the planet Find a, find a way of living, uh, get employed and have some kids. Yes, if you need to. Yes, of course he's into that. But there's more than that. 
this is a life of honoring the very reason he sent you to this planet, Gary. I believe a lot of us, a lot of this church is getting a wake-up call to realize through the preaching of this church that, oh my God, I just come here to find safe haven. I just come here to live a little life. I, I, I don't, I don't want to invest my life into kingdom stuff. I don't want to care about the, the guy who used to play guitar up there on the TAFE corner and a lonely soul and found on the bottom of Wyong Pool last week. I don't care about that guy from South America. You know, everyone saw him, but nobody talked to him. Everyone keeps, after I mentioned it this morning, people come up to him, I saw that guy. Yeah, he was a real oddity because all the workers who were traveling home on the main highway, they'd see this guy with earplugs in and him playing guitar. He's just in his own groove, in his own groove. Just, he just lost, lost. But did, did we, should we have seen him with eyes open? And then I get told by an 84-year-old lady, I'm in the nursing home, and, 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 and could, could, could anyone come visit us? It's so lonely in there. Could, could you, does your church do visitation? Yeah, man, well... We have done it. We have done it as a church. But does anyone have a vision for that? To go into the, uh, there's an address we can give you and we can come to us first. We'll organize it. and You can go visit. And that could be part of your destiny. Bit by bit, addressing your destiny. Bit by bit, trying to apprehend the will of God. The most fulfilling life you could ever have is to address this stuff. Okay, so... Pastor Phil, you're talking about that I'm predestined, that God knew my future, that he knew me and he saw me coming, that he knew and he has planned a path for me. So Ephesians 1.4 says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Okay, so before the world was sent spinning, you were chosen to be holy. So that's our number one, that's our number one quest, to be more holy. And blameless in his sight. That's our number one vision, to be more holy. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and his will. It gives him pleasure. It gives him pleasure to follow his will. Verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do... What's handiwork mean? That means he's trying by his spirit, by his word, by people around you, by good church, by good influences in your life, you're becoming his handiwork. You are being shaped, you're being formed, you're being put in this right groove for living in his grace, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared, say prepared, in advance, say in advance, for us to do. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Whoa, do you believe this? Do you believe God knew you before you were in your mother's womb? Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Psalm 139, verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Romans 8, 29, for those God foreknew, 
So he foreknew us? This is the theology that God knew you before the world was sent spinning. God knew you were coming. He knew your name. He knew you. He knew your talents, your giftedness, your capacity. He knew your purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I love it. But, but we have a choice. We're not puppets on a string. He's not going to make us. He's not going to make us. Our will is a part of God's plan. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. Everyone listen to this. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death. Life and death. That's what, I, that's what God's saying to us. I'm, 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 here's life, here's death. Blessings or curses, now choose life so that you and your children may live. How do I know what God has planned for my life? Again, Ephesians 1, 3, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us to the one he loves. And 10, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And verse 11, in him we were also chosen, having, here's the key word, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Don't have to bumble along, experiment with life, trial and error, trying to find your destiny. Get in to this place of asking God, seeking Him. He will communicate. You're intelligent. You're thoughtful. You need to plan. You need to have a vision, but you need to ask. Matthew 7, 7 says, and He will communicate, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Listen to me, church. If you truly desire destiny, if you ask, he will answer. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you supernaturally. Vision is the gateway into God's preferred future for you. That's what vision does. When you see, when the scales fall off your eyes, vision becomes the gateway into seeing, oh my God, that's why I'm at C3 Tugra. That's why I'm in the house of God. That's why I'm an airline pilot. It's not all about ministry. It's about your real life, your personal Destiny is all full of personable stuff, practical stuff. But you can turn it around and serve God with it. How do we know God's destiny? Okay, here's some pointers to round it off. What is the deepest, ask yourself, what is the deepest desire of your life? Think about that. 
Psalm 37 verse four says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I like how this commentator breaks this up. He says, delighting in the Lord, leave that scripture up, delighting in the Lord is about knowing and serving God. In knowing and serving God, he places desires within you. Meaning when you take delight, when you want to know God, seek God, and you serve God, he will give you the desires of your heart, the spiritual desires, but also the physical desires. Natural things and spiritual things are granted to me. Bible says, just as a father on earth desires to have good gifts for his children, so our heavenly father desires to give good gifts to his children. Matthew 7, 9, 10, and verse 11. Number two, what stirs your passion? Passion is that zeal, that fire, that excitement, that intensity that you feel about things that are important to you. So listen to me, passion is powerful. In John 2.15, you see Jesus cleaning out the te- uh, cleansing the temple, drove out the animals, money changes, overturned the tables because they had made the house of God a den of thieves. Disciples then remembered the verse in Psalm 69 verse 9. For the zeal, for zeal for your house consumes me. Jesus was consumed with such a passion for the sacredness of God that he became violent and whipped out those money changers, got rid of all that stuff out of the church that shouldn't have been there. Passion, listen to me, passion stirs us to action. It causes us to do something. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.